Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, and joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Defund the boss man, hello. (laughs) (laughs) And experience this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast with episodes uh, as long as your least favorite Netflix Christmas movie. Which one is that, Eric? They're all the same. It's a trick question. <laughs> I promise you the Dolly Parton one is not the same. It is uniquely and spectacularly unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, it's 2021. Does anybody have any New Year's resolutions? Make it through the year. <laughs> That's, yeah, just even- live, live to 2022. Even trying to riff on that just made me want to cry a little bit, so <laughs> I'm going to abstain from this one. Okay. Um, I'm going to exercise more. That's a great one. I, I was going to do that, except it snowed all week, and I don't... Uh, the dude does not run when it ices out. I, I am not going to eat shit for that. Yeah, we're in that uh, that special kind of uh, of weird time warp where we're recording something that's going to be airing like four weeks in the future. Meanwhile, we're talking about something that happened twenty years in the past, so we we don't really know where we are. It doesn't matter. It's going to be icy, you know. Like that's that's the one constant. <laughs> um, and I know as we're going to get into this deep dive today. I was took me a little while to like kind of center myself again in this universe, especially I was like, okay, who has the hardcore title? Where are all the pieces when we begin? Because we've been coming back to these same weeks in October now for the past two months. Yeah, and these belts were changing left and right back in these days on television, especially these tag and hardcore titles, which I feel are the ones are sort of swirling the storyline. I'll, I'll let you in on a little trick. Um, I don't engage in that exercise. Um, I I come into every every one of these deep dives like an etch a sketch. I'm just like I don't know who has the belt. You tell me. And we'll learn that as we go. But this has to be one of the most insane storylines from the WWF Attitude Era, which is certainly saying something. We are talking today about. The Big Boss Man's rivalry with The Big Show. And that should be sparking some sense memories for those of you who watched along with this, because I know it did for me, re-watching a lot of these episodes. Yeah, um, I, I think it's like the Battle of the Bigs. <laughs> Who's bigger? Is it a big show or is it a big boss? Who knows? We'll find out. We're starting off on October 7th for a match between the Big Show and the Big Boss Man on SmackDown. Um, And we're coming off of watching some of the best wrestling that this era had to offer. And it became very apparent as uh, the Big Boss Man kicked, or I'm sorry, the Big Show kicked the Big Boss Man through the ropes, that at no point was the Big Show going to do it like a leapfrog plancha on top of him to the outside. Yeah, Big Show's no Keith Lee in that in that way. And Boss Man, man, it's like every time he's in the ring, it's so boring. In fact, a lot of my notes are like, every time Al Snow shows up being like, thank God, because I can't watch uh, Big Boss Man work. 
there was a moment in this first match where the boss man sold that he hurt his back while he was slamming the big show. Just like, ah, he's so big and I don't, I didn't lift with my knees. It's like the character that I would play if I was a wrestler. Like this is these ma- this match is like the closest we'll get to imagining like terrible Ted with like another wrestling bear, you know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of art; it's just a lot. It's just a lot of big things, big hairy things, just like kind of punching at each other. So basically, you're just you're just describing bears. You're like it's not art; it's it's just bears. It's just a bear fight. Yeah. By the way, did um. I, okay, I'm pretty sure Big Show didn't have a full beard, but it looked close to a full beard. It looked like it was it was almost like more so there than than it's been in the past. Yeah, it kept teasing that it was going to touch down at the bottom, but yeah. it, we'll get to it. But as soon as it got close enough, it was just like, wait, wait, where to go? I that's what I was gonna say. Um, I feel like the, the Big Show's facial hair is like when you watch the bouncing DVD screensaver and like right before it's about to go into the corner, somebody presses play and you're like, fuck! Like, we were never, you know, like I, I've got I've got a full beard blue balls, if that is a term that we can use. It is now. We, we just came up with, we just came up with bear fight, which I'm pretty sure means something very, very different in other parts of the world. <laughs> Um, but unless anybody's got anything else to say about this match, uh, Bossman ends by using the nightstick for the DQ, but then we ran into the Bossman's one weakness, large wrists. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sorry, but, like, police are able to handcuff people of all sizes, right? They do have cuff extenders. Like, that is a thing right. for, for people who do have extra large wrists. I'm surprised you just go with the zip ties. Right? Or just like, or, you know, I guess what you could do is you, um, can't you, like, uh, cuff two cuffs together and then, like, link it around? I don't know. Something. Like a charm bracelet? Just gonna go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like, uh, Boss Man made it in camp for Big Show. For a second, I, I thought you said cuff two cucks together. And I'm like, Gangrel does not appear in any of this. <laughs> two handcuffs clipped together worn as jewelry is definitely something I would have attempted in high school. For sure. <laughs> well, I think the Miss, I think Miss Kitty is doing that as we speak during this, but uh, we'll get to that when we get to our SummerSlam episode. No, There's not SummerSlam, Survivor Series. Survivor Series. There's a lot of things happening in the stuff we're not watching, which, first of all, I can't believe there's still things that we're not watching over this time period. <laughs> But, like, in, in some of these future episodes, like, I caught, like, a glimpse or two of, like, other storylines and was like, what mm-hmm. the actual fuck is happening here? I am, so, I am. Every time. I mean, I'm waiting for the Mark Henry storyline. Oh, obviously. I was talking more about uh, the DX Steve Austin stuff. Yeah, where somebody's, like, chasing <laughs> China. Road Dogg in a like... bear trap. Sorry, we'll get there. Yes, or Road Dogg in a bear trap I forgot about. Yes. Oh, my God. I Yeah, I mean, I really... So, our next deep dive is the wedding. And as of right now, I have at least four hours worth of timestamps ready for that one. So, I'm going to do some editing over the Christmas break. Anyone think it was weird that at no point did these guys acknowledge, like, hey, remember when we were in... When we worked together in the corporation? Right. Right, like, it's like, you know, 
they come into every match the way I come into every match. Like, what's happening? What? Tell me what the story is. Who has the belt? <laughs> and things are only going to get weirder on October 11th, where we see Big Show sitting backstage. But luckily, his old buddy D'Lo Brown is here. You know, that friendship that we, we know and love from so many episodes. The iconic tag team, D-Show, of course. <laughs> or Big Brown. But D-Lo comes in and says, man, I'm so sorry that your father has cancer. And there you hear King ever so tactfully go, cancer? Uh, I I mean, what, what, what a weird... I mean, I... This is where it becomes like soap opera, but like oh, is because, it? Is it? Well, I'm the uh, no. Nah, okay, fuck you. Uh, I, what I mean is, there is also you know, literally an amnesia patient on uh, WWF right now. And the uh, is there? Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> um, you know, I guess like I understand it's a soap opera, but like, there's something weird about like being like. These people have real lives, and they're real people. And then also saying, like, oh, by the way, uh, your dad has cancer in this storyline. Like, ugh, I don't, uh, it's, I, it doesn't sit well with me, obviously. It, yeah, death and wrestling is, like, not, like, a, the kind of thing that we should be joking about is basically, I think, how this is received in a lot of ways. Owen Hart wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. And just the, on, like, not to mention, like, Pillman and, and, and scores of others. Uh, so, uh, was this in bad taste? Or did they purposely? I think even as we go on more specifically, purposely draw those comparisons. Probably, uh, but also as we'll yeah uh, talk about, will they camp it up and make it sort of parody and, and try and and strike a balance um, in some way? But yeah, yeah, I I mean yeah, I get it. But like, oh, I mean there is a wrestler with cancer right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's such a weird, uh, such a weird thing. I don't know. It's just, but yeah, it just feels I mean, like tempting the fates. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, it's not really tempting the fates in that um, the Big Show's father had already passed away when this storyline started. Yeah. And so I guess it's not really summoning anything into um, into existence. I think it, it goes along with kind of this idea that everything is fair game in this industry. Right. Um, go How start... did he die, by the way? That would have been a good thing to look up before we started recording. And I tried. I didn't see. I just saw everything I just saw was that he had died earlier. Um, but I didn't see a cause of death. Paul White Sr. I'll have to pull the death certificate. I'll get the research department on this. <laughs> Actually, he died from um, being dragged in a coffin, but from a car? It was a, it's a freak accident. Why was he in the coffin? Nobody knows. And, yes, Eric, I, I, I definitely agree that there's definitely a level of bad taste to this. Um, but it doesn't strike me the same way that say um the the legion of doom the hawk storyline early on because i being completely honest not this particular segment although i did also have some fun kind of picturing vince mcmahon having a conversation with the big show where vince refuses to pay him if he takes the night off 
Yeah, but, they have a good yeah, bereavement policy. Funny. Yeah, I don't think HR really steps in with a good bereavement policy at, at uh, <laughs> Titan Inc. or whatever. <laughs> but man, that would have been an awesome. That would have been an awesome move, by the way. If like, if Big Show was like, "Oh, sure, okay," in storyline, my father's dead. Cool, I'm off tonight. <laughs> but I mean, I, I have to say, going through this for the most part, I was entertained still by a lot of this. I was surprised in in retrospect I remembered the absurdity of this storyline I remember it being like overall like if I had to like uh assess it as art it, it was bad uh but rewatching it I was kind of like not looking forward to it, but I same I was like oh I'm actually enjoying this and everyone is at least like playing it to the hilt Mhm I definitely wrote my note was when I heard about cancer I I put it in all caps kind of the same way I guess that Lawler read the line um <laughs> And then I said, is Bossman going to feed Big Show's father to him? <laughs> I'm pretty sure we all had that note in our in our notes. And you were just the first one to get it out there. I yes. commend you, sir. Yeah, good work. Um, okay, so later that night, there's a match between the Big Show and the Bossman. And I had to wonder if the Big Show, when he was seeing the Big Bossman, wasn't just picturing a big cancerous tumor that he could beat up. Much like the rest of us, whenever we picture the big boss man, I um, you know, when when boss man comes out with his uh, nightstick, I was like, you know what? Like, I think he would have been a really good majorette. You know, I like actually uh... have that same note about baton twirling here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not intimidating, uh, and it's not like um, it's not like I, I, it doesn't look skillful like in martial arts. It does just look like a majorette. Yeah. <laughs> like he's an old Irish beat cop. Oh, you boys, best be moving along here. <laughs> like he's about to go after our cookie crisp or whatever. <laughs> uh, and there is definitely a, a, a level to to the big boss man calling the big show a fat ass. It's like there's <laughs> yeah. got to be some there's got to be some internalized anger that's coming out there. Um, but even. <laughs> the little bit of heat that he's gotten already from taunting the big show on the night that we've all learned that he has his father paid off. Cause when big show gave him that big boot, I was like, hell yeah. This one again, though goes to the nightstick. Um, but as he's going against the big show, we get a, um, Al snow run in comes to his rescue who attacks the boss man. And this is where I have Al snow beating the boss man before he could feed big show to his father. My notes. Uh, <laughs> as we know, the iconic tag team, Big Snow. <laughs> uh, but the boss man beats him with the nightstick as well and leaves the night victorious. Leaves the nightstick victorious. <laughs> so on October 14th, JR is interviewing the Big Show, um, which, again, now I have to picture. So he found out. On Monday, did they tell him at the arena? Was there a telegram to announce that his father had cancer? How did they communicate that to him? Did they send a raven? Did they hire well, a we fake know how police they... officer? Yeah, I was gonna say we know how the big how the big show is supposed to find out when he dies. So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, they put it on the on the um, Titantron. Yeah, tell him at appointment. 
I was impressed with um, the Big Show's acting. Not so much the words he was saying, but the way he was emoting during this. I I agree. I, I, yeah, capital I agree. capital A acting here from Big Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does a he does a good job. It was a it was a good scene. I uh, I did have the question: What hasn't Big Show finished? Like. It was like it was like you know he was kind of selling this concept, and then I was like, okay, well let, let's hear like what what are the things that you you know what are, what are your regrets? All I could get was college, and I'm like, Big Show, do you do you want to go back to college? Like you can. I mean, I I would support watching Big Show during Raws like in a night class. Oh, I, I would watch the, the shit out of those vignettes. I want to see the movie where Eric uh, inspires uh, Big Show going back to school and offers to be his support while he does it. <laughs> Come on, man. You can do it. <laughs> Helping him study, cheering him on. If only, the yeah, dream. if only the Big Show show hadn't been canceled, that could have been the whole season two arc. <laughs> I would have called it uh, the Dead Fathers Society. Uh, Big Show stands up on a desk and goes, oh, captain, my captain, and then crushes through the <laughs> desk. The desk breaks. Yeah, I gotta say, there's what you know. Everyone, I think, finds it a little upsetting when you see a grown man cry, but there's nothing like seeing an overgrown man cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do. I like this. Um, I like the uh, the 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 motivation and the storyline here. He wants to show his father that he can finish something that was his father's um message to him throughout his life you always have to finish what you've started and i don't think it takes too much um mental gymnastics to get to the wwf championship even from that as something that he needs to that that, uh can be coming off of this story as well yeah it's funny how um his father's message to him was finish what you start and the big show did not finish anything he started and like was upset about it like, not a good job for his dad, honestly. So then we're about to go to a Terry Taylor interview, but before that, did anyone notice the, like the cut in between? It's like they're it's a, a waiting for Stone Cold Steve Austin, but the camera is very low and moving as though they were trying to do something something from a snake's point of view. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I did not catch that. No, but now I'm, no, I may actually but... go back and check that. Snake vision is a great concept. So then we go to Terry Taylor interviewing the big boss man who says he has problems of his own. Like who booked him in a championship match tonight? Yeah, that is like that is the the quintessential. I, I give I give Bossman credit for this because that is the quintessential asshole response to just be like, "I got problems of my own. We all got problems. I uh I got this parking ticket, and I think I was like pretty far away from the hydrant. Like, fuck you, man." So then we get a triple threat match for the Hardcore Championship. Al Snow versus the Big Boss Man versus Big Show. And this is where I finally realized, oh, okay, Al Snow has the championship right now. Also, man, Al Snow makes everything better. Every segment of this entire series that Al Snow appears in is better. And when he's in the ring, he yeah. makes the match so much better, so much more fun to watch, and like made this so much better than if it was just Big, man, uh, Big Boss Man and Big Show. Definitely. It's nice to see somebody who's limber. You know, and like can can uh, can move quickly and stuff like that. 
but Al Snow, I think at this point has like so much charisma and like is just so like fully on in a way that Bossman will never be. And Big Show, I still still hasn't clicked a hundred percent. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Do you think Big Show ever gets to this level of charisma, like yeah, to Al, no. Al Snow heights? Oh. oh, absolutely. Big Show is like a, is a huge star. The biggest thing that hurts Big Show's career in the long run is that he's so his, his character so inconsistent and has like the most like famously like so many heel and face turns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Big Show becomes the face of the company. But at this point, I think it's interesting to go back and in the context of like him and his regrets and him making his father proud and whatever. This is at a time when like. You know, we know the Big Show's illustrious career from like the back end, looking backwards, and like this is sure. still so the beginning. And even though he had the history in WCW, this is still like before he's able to really like grab that brass ring and be, uh, you know, reach his full potential. And so the mm-hmm. WWF is making like a big investment in him, has been taking a chance on him, and there's a lot of that pressure now too, which I think also helps fuel some of the emotion in this story. Yeah, and now actually that you say that, and thinking back, um, there's definitely. Once we get to see Big Show kind of have a little bit more fun with who he is and kind of, like, tease that around a little bit, then, yeah, I think we do get get to see some greatness from him like we've seen from Al Snow here. But in this match, uh, we do get to see Al Snow get a monster choke slam through a table, but following that, Boss Man knocks Show the fuck out with the nightstick. Blood coming off his head. And I thought it was interesting here that um, I, I figured that the pin was going to come to Al Snow, who'd gotten the choke slam, but Big Show actually goes and I'm sorry, Bossman actually goes and, and pins the Big Show to win the championship. October 18th, then. Bossman has won. And yet he still feels like he needs to go after the big show for some reason. Yeah, I love how petty Bossman is through all of this. Like, he's just mad that big show is sad. Like, he's <laughs> like, yeah. just angry that, like, big show is Tuesday. Really, should be like, wow, I'm glad that seven foot monster isn't, like, in, like thinking about wrestling because I can, like, take advantage and, like, rise to the top while he's distracted with his dead dad. But instead, of like, hey, hey, you, get back in here. Yeah, um, big. I was gonna say, Bossman's kind of like. I feel like it's like a like uh, the epitome of what every parent says a bully is. Like, like Bossman just wants attention, and he's just <laughs> he's just looking for somebody to be able to give him attention. And in order to get attention, he doesn't care if it's good attention from say winning the hardcore championship or bad attention by saying your daddy is one foot in the grave and you embarrassed him the other night. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like, you know, uh, it's not like he actually has a beef with anybody. He just needs he needs somebody to provide him the fuel that he thrives on, which is negative attention. And when Kevin Kelly is interviewing the Big Show, he uh, big, gave Big Show the exact thing that he needed. Big Show's got this focus and he is going to direct that focus at the Big Boss Man. All right, two things. Uh, I think Kevin Kelly has, like, Bob Odenkirk vibes. I can see that a little bit. Uh, it's like there's a, there's, a, there's a real Chicago hairstyle going on. Um, and I, would then, also, like a... I would also definitely watch a show starring Bob Odenkirk where he's just the backstage reporter at a wrestling show. Ha! <laughs> yes, that would be good. 
Um, now, I know that this is a thing that has been said in history. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to say it's Big Show's fault. But how do you snap a neck in half? Like that's a that's a bad approximation of where the neck is on the human body. You know what I mean? Like like there is no there is no hole to a neck to snap it in half, is there? It would be difficult. You could saw a neck in half, but it would be very hard to snap a neck in half. Yeah, I feel like snapping, you know, I'll grab his neck and snap it in half is like you grab his body or, you know, yeah, I'd snap his body in half because, uh, like, I, that I, you're breaking it at the at the waist, I but think, at the neck. I think – doesn't he correct himself, though? Because I have in my notes that he will snap him in half. Mm, no, I heard I heard neck. Uh, right. Maybe he corrected himself. I think, I think he's like neck, and, it's like, and then he's thinking to himself, wait a second. How do you snap a neck in half? I guess I'll just have to snap all of him in half. All of him. Um, and since we're all in about the going back, I will, I will like to say that I think that snake vision would probably involve, like, it would be like smell of vision, right? Because don't snakes use their, t- their tongue to, to see? Uh, Eric coming don't in they... with the snake facts. Yeah. yeah like don't it. they like, they lick the air. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's like the, uh, the old seventies or eighties, like smell of vision stuff. Eric Silver, snake facts. <laughs> Snake expert. <laughs> so then we go for the match. Bossman versus Big Show. Bossman comes out, and then it cuts to the backstage where the Big Show is in tears, where a police officer has just informed him that his father has passed away, which caused me to write down, is that something that they do? Yeah, that's is, what I wondered. Is it ACAB? All cops are bearers of bad news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, do they do they deliver news of any death? They're like, look, I want to stay, but I have a few more people to get to tonight. Like, it's like they're the they're the newspaper boys of of death, like of I obituaries. Could, like I could see he got in a car accident, maybe. And the, the police are the ones who, who report it to him. But to track this person down to the arena, to tell them that his father died in a hospital somewhere. <laughs> right. Right. Your, your father's dead. He's in, He's been in a hospital bed for some time. Uh, we've been monitoring. <laughs> like, no, I don't think we need to call the police. I think, you know, the hospital can handle that death. There's been a murder. It was cancer. <laughs> Imagining like doctors in a hospital freaking out, being like, "Yo, man, he's dead. What do we do? <laughs> they're gonna blame us." Also, they're like finding each other. It's your father. Well, what's wrong? Is he okay? You know, he's dead. <laughs> D- dead? Why? Well, the, the, <laughs> the cancer he's been fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Every time someone dies in a hospital, the doctors have to run around to find a cop to let the family know. <laughs> oh. But then, oh, wait, no. First, first, there's a, a, a beautiful heel move from Boss Man who makes the referee announce that he is the winner of the match by forfeit. Yep, which I thought I like that that, that was a 
Very good touch. But then we find out later in the night on GTV, which they're still doing, which is, uh, baffles me. So it's G versus ETV. <laughs> There's never going to be now a payoff from that, is there? No. 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 Um, we find out on GTV that the cop was lying, that Big Show actually paid him off, that he might not even be a cop. I'm not even sure. But, I mean, again, all cops are, are corrupt bribery. I don't know. I, I was going to say all, GT- cops, all cops are bribed. There we go. So is, is GTV, like, technically a body cam? <laughs> but but Bossman makes him reenact what Big Show said to him when he died. And the two of them my are... favorite is, oh, my dad's dead! <laughs> 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 oh, oh, my dad! Say it again. What, what was he like? Do it, do it for me again. Oh, my... He, go, he was just kind of like, oh, my dad's dead! <laughs> I got a little really... bit... It was a little bit of olive oil, I thought, from Popeye, Popeye in there, too. Like, oh, my dad is dead. There was a little bit of a quaver. <laughs> and there was a little bit of, like, oh. Uh, with, the, with the way that he kind of did the fake cry, where it was almost too good. You're like, okay, okay. So I've seen you. Someone's been to a UCB 101. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, I'm a cop. But that's not all I am. <laughs> it would be, It would be the kind of thing where... Uh, if everybody was on the playground, everybody would take turns doing their own version. A little bit like the Arrested Development, like, chicken dance. <laughs> like, oh, what are you going to tell me my dad is dead? Oh, my dad is dead! That was a little Paul Bearer right there. <laughs> Woo! Um, also, I really like the part where... Um, boss man is reveling in like the prank he played. And then he goes, for some reason, man, this is funny. And I was like, that's a good justification. <laughs> for, for a reason we will not disclose. This is a very funny prank. I derive enjoyment of this for reasons. And yet I am incapable of any method of self-reflection. And so I guess we'll just never know what drives this twisted darkness inside of me. <laughs> this is quite a prank for some reason. I get a sick pleasure out of telling people their parents are dead. I should probably unpack that. Nah. <laughs> hey guys. I feel so sad for some reason. Uh, uh. So then on uh, so October 21st starts with, with the big show who is justifiably very, very angry from what happened. But he, he starts is talk- not just... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> he is not justifiably wearing that dragon shirt, though. <laughs> it's a silk dragon print. I call it Ed Hardly. I had I that have- shirt. I had to have that shirt. I had a very I had a very similar shirt. It only had one dragon on it. <laughs> but I'm a much smaller man. I have, I have a I lot have, of dragon shirts that were silk like that. A lot. I have in my notes I, the fear, the fear of what's in my stomach right now. This shirt. This shirt that's covered in dragons. <laughs> um I I do have uh um like what is it? Um, pajamas that I had specially made for me in Vietnam that were all uh, black with silver dragons on them. 
When do those come out? Oh, you mean when do I pull that? When did I wear them? I was supposed to wear them when I was going to have sex, but that didn't happen. So <laughs> never. <laughs> so they're still waiting. Just <laughs> uh, one of these days, <laughs> because every time you try, you're wearing a silk dragon pajama. Yeah, nobody wants to fuck you. <laughs> Put it on. It's with like, a with, oh, a, ba- with a silk bathrobe. Yeah. <laughs> do you still have those? That's a good question. I might. Um, I may have tried. I may have culled uh, my my closet at some point and gotten rid of them, but I still might actually have them somewhere. I, I, think I, I can't I, imagine, considering you still have pieces of wood that you used for your hoopah for your wedding sitting in your living room. I cannot believe that you threw out custom-made silk dragon pajamas from Vietnam. Did you just say hoopa the way that uh, the way that the the Undertaker would say it? Probably <laughs> from your hoopa with your stick. Uh, yes, though I mean, look, uh, I w- what happens is I hold on to things, but the longer I hold on to them, at some point I just lose all care about them. So, like, I've been holding on to the to the birch that uh, that I have from my hoopa, and. Uh, at some point, you know, because it's been over a year, I'll just be like, eh, let's just fucking throw these out. <laughs> but not before you try to sell them on Craigslist. Uh, Etsy or Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, one of those. Look, they can. They, they look very decorative. They'd be very they pretty. They do. If any listener wants them, we can make bundles for you. <laughs> you have to pay for shipping, though. Yeah, of course they're paying for shipping. I'm not fucking shipping that media. Uh, so now we got the big show fucking up a locker room in the back because of his anger. And like things that look like fixtures affixed to the wall, like not like a bunch of prop tables, like truly breaking the building. I was like, "Uh oh, someone's not going to be happy. Someone's getting a phone call the next morning. (laughs) The building manager is like, look, he was working some things out. His father has cancer. The building's dead. We have to call the police. They're going to blame us. Uh, So we got the boss man entering through the crowd with the phony cop. Also with a very great. Was this where they had the mulleted security guy that was pushing the crowd away? Oh, I didn't see. I think so. I think because this is the the crowd moment. So it makes sense. And it was definitely when the boss man was doing. I remember noticing being like. Oh, they need it for when the heel's doing it because people think he's so despicable they would actually hurt him. Hmm, <laughs> uh, And then we've got uh, not much of a match. Bossman exits pretty much as fast as he can after taking a few hits, and the Big Show basically slams the fuck out of the phony cop through the canvas. We get another player in this story on October 25th as Albert assures the big boss man that he or assures the big show that he is not the big boss man. And he would never make fun of any daddy, but especially not a sick daddy, especially as he is right now dressed as a leather daddy. Thanks, sick daddy. <laughs> yeah, this is my first real look at Prince Albert, and I want another look. I mean, like, I, like, I want to get I want to. I want to give him another chance is what I mean. Like, I mean, first of all, I will say this episode is from my what? 14th birthday. Also, oh. uh, 
on my 14th birthday, my true love gave to me Prince Albert, apparently, and, like, a lot of weird feelings. Because uh, there's a lot of men who may not look exactly like Prince Albert, but are definitely, like, of the same genus, if not the same species. In Albert this, adjacent? Uh, phyl- yeah, in this phylum. They, uh... Albert will get less hairy. That's, I mean, he's even hairy. I mean, he's he's exceptionally hairy, full stop. Like, mm-hmm. anyone with any ha- body hair is hairy by wrestling standards who are, like, compulsively, weirdly, psychotically smooth um, to the point where, like, Vince must wants them all to shave their armpits, and it's just super specific. Uh, but, so he's, like, already looking hairy, but even by, like, uh, gay, bear, uh, body hair positivity Instagram circles, of which I am deeply entwined, uh... That's a really hairy man. That is a very hairy man. Well, actually, uh, they they put some uh, they they put some tar on him and they roll him around in all of the shave the clippings from everyone else. That's truly what it looks like. He's so pale too, and also his head is shaped so strangely, and then he has that facial hair. Also, his singlet doesn't make any sense. It like zippers and unzippers, and there's straps and the nipple windows. And I'm like, how the fuck? Like literally. <laughs> What sort of gimp ass shit is this? Like it looks like a sex like uh like a sex outfit, which I guess is the point, but also why is that the point? <laughs> yeah. I think I think um this may have been around the time that Vince Russo discovered pulp fiction. I know pulp fiction came out in ninety four, I think. We can't but this, this feels on, this isn't Russo anymore. Oh shit. We who can't the next, this on Rufo, the... Russo. Um, Who's the guy then? I forget who – I don't know who's behind this story specifically. There was like one in mind because also the part of – the fallout of Russo is also like Vince learning not to make it uh, a one-man operation or ever to have like one um, singular brain behind creative anymore because then if that person leaves, they have a a disproportionate amount of power. So trying to make it more of a team effort anyway. Uh, So I'm not sure – but I do know the boss men and Big Show loved doing this storyline. Continue. uh, Well, then I will say somebody – rented pulp fiction around that time because the you know i mean okay i guess you can't pin all of prince albert on the gimp but uh we'll talk about the pocket watch right yeah of course <laughs> no we're yeah, gonna so... we're gonna skip over that come on no i mean we'll talk about it like soon you know yeah. the pocket watch he traded it for uh, a comb for albert's back hair <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, you know I love an O. Henry reference. My favorite joke structure. <laughs> um, Bobby, so so that I, I I included this in the homework because I knew that Eric wasn't going to skip over it anyway. We cut to a guy in 3D glasses who spills coffee on the floor, talks to a cardboard <laughs> cutout of Steve Austin, and goes into the women's room, and then we're teased 3D attitude on November 23rd. <laughs> I do not remember this at all. Me neither, and I was uh, uh, terrified by what it could possibly be. How could I have missed that? Yeah, like, none of it made any sense to me, honestly. Like, I am someone who went out of my way to get the Simpsons smell vision cards when they did that. Like, that's how <laughs> deeply... I was into this. Uh, but I actually think... Was it a video game launch? Is that what it is? I can't imagine it being a video game. I don't know. Let me... I'm now going on my phone. So I just looked back in the uh, the calendar app, and November 23rd, 1999 was a Tuesday. So I'm guessing it was some kind of, like, WWE special or WWF special. I don't know. 
we'll have to I look into know. that. We'll have to look into that off air. After that, we get a a long recap of this feud that's only been going on for a few weeks. But we get Big Show versus Albert. During the match, though, it's revealed that the boss man has stolen the Big Show's father's father's pocket watch. And Bossman makes the claim that he attempted to pull the plug on his father. So, like, murder him? Yes, yes. Uh, which, again, then the real police should be called. Uh, also, question. Why would they let the big boss man visit uh, his father in the hospital? Isn't it, like, usually, like, family well, cops just get to go anywhere, so he just was wearing his uniform. He came in with your the Also, <laughs> and Big Boss Man is still a police officer at this point, right? He is, I don't like a, a riot cop. Is is the gimmick? He's never actually been a police officer. He was a corrections officer when he first started. Um. But I mean, it's just there's there's just not very far to go from that to cop, and when I see it, that's just what goes in my brain. Yeah, makes sense. Boss, <laughs> boss man calls his father like a wimpy shell of a man, and then brags about being able to steal this pocket watch from him, like Mister Burns trying to steal the uh, the lollipop from Maggie. Yeah, except that one ended properly. Okay, give give Mr. Show uh, a gun. <laughs> Albert attacks from behind. Boss Man hits the Big Show in the head with a fucking hammer, who then falls like six feet to the hardwood below. Hits Hits him with a hammer. Like, that is actual murder. Like, a like a person cannot get hit in the head with a hammer and live. It's like we're going back to the whole uh you know where it starts looking weird when like Triple H hits hits like the rock with a sledgehammer. It's a little it strains credulity, right? Definitely. Definitely. But we're getting to such levels of like cartoonish supervillainy with this storyline that I guess there's a camp level to it. That, that's my takeaway. I certainly think so. But I, I mean, love this because the, the, the EMTs come out to uh, address Big Show, and of course there's BB is there, the blonde, fake EMT. And again, the EMTs just start their um, rigorous training method of just rubbing the superstar <laughs> until they feel better, <laughs> just laying hands on their bodies and just rubbing them until they feel soothed. <laughs> <laughs> healing hands, healing hands. I do like that that uh, the big boss man ha- gets his uh, his new catchphrase. That's hard time. This this segment is so cartoonish. They even bring out an anvil at one point. Yes, uh, actually, uh, the the entrance to the to the backstage area was just painted on a brick wall, but some people <laughs> were able to actually go through it, and other people, you know, ran right into it. 
And so they use that anvil as well as the hammer that has just been used to hit the big show in the head to smash the father's pocket watch. Is this where you were going to draw another Pulp Fiction um, comparison, Eric? Oh, well, I mean, wait. The smashing of the pocket watch? I just meant the pocket watch. Just, the yeah, the, the existence of the po- pocket watch. Yeah. yeah. Yes. His father's father kept it up his ass. <laughs> the, boss right. man, the boss man had to pry it out of his wimpy ass in order to get it. Yeah, I, I just I was imagining boss man being like, I went to your father and he told me the story of the pocket watch. And I'm going to tell you this right now. This is the story of the pocket watch that I patiently listened to before I then pried it from his hands. On October 28th, Big Show, with the busted pocket watch in hand, says that he's going to walk away and be the bigger man. Um, we get Bossman versus Al Snow instead. Not for the hardcore title, they make sure to say. Um, because in the match, Sweater Boy Albert starts banging on the staircase like he works for the Houston Astros, distracting the ref so that the boss man can hit Al Snow with a hardcore belt and get the pin. And honestly, like, the match is whatever, um, but Al Snow after the match is awesome. What did, um, Bobby, what was it that Mia Yim did a few weeks ago during a match to, like, distract the ref? Where it's like, like, did she, like, fake a seizure or something? Yeah, she, like, faked being, like, covered in bugs or something. It was, like, a very <laughs> weird... And it's like, and it's like, I guess I've never seen a ref distracted that way, but did I need to see a ref distracted that way? But you gotta admit, if you were a ref, you'd be distracted. Yes. <laughs> you would be like, what's like, going on over like, here? What's all this banging over on the side? Is this an old-timey knife sharpening truck? What is this <laughs> clanging outside? Uh and yes, Eric, Al Snow is fantastic after this. He feels like Albert didn't get involved enough. Although I didn't need the uh, the girlfriend from Cell Block H reference. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, yeah. I Yeah, whatever. I You know, it's, the, it's of its time. Fucking sucks. But Al Snow says there's, there's going to be a hardcore match in the parking lot. Wonder what's going to happen there. So... The 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 boss man and Albert's plan is to hide in a car and then wait until Al Snow gets there and jump out at him and yell surprise. Am I wrong in this? Is that their plan? Yeah, that's I uh yeah, I think so. It's like a stakeout. If they were to get in the car and say, like, we're going to get in this car and we're going to run over Al Snow, then maybe I'd get it. But no, we just want to give him a good start before we start the beatdown. They're unable to do that, though, because the big show grabs a forklift and pins the door shuts before he goes full Zangief in Street Fighter 2 on that fucking car. I, I had more um, Tyrannosaurus Rex in Jurassic Park, and I wrote Jurassic Park. <laughs> And I was very proud of that. (laughs) And then he attempts his own murder by dumping a dumpster over the ramp onto them. Maybe the cops do need to be involved in this. (laughs) 
They're like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, these guys are escalating things this way too much. cancer, but I don't know, man. This feels like the Caliphate podcast. We should take a closer look. <laughs> Topical. Okay. I don't get that reference. Oh, uh, New York Times got in trouble for uh, their Caliphate podcast about about ISIS. And essentially, uh, they did not do any reason. Or, you know, they, they, they like, talked to, like, one guy and he was like, "Oh yeah, we did crazy stuff," and like they didn't do any follow up research on what on what his claims were. And then his the former terrorist Canadian government was like, "We should probably look into this. This guy sounds like a problem. We probably should have like uh, been on top of this." And they looked into it. They're like, "Oh wait, never mind. This is made up." The guy said, "For some reason, doing all this this crazy stuff is uh, is really funny to me, and nobody thought to add, to follow that up." <laughs> <laughs> we know what happened there was a new episode of gtv and suddenly they were like wait a minute <laughs> we gotta go back G- was gtv the original true crime podcast <laughs> actually uh the police are making their rounds going i'm sorry to inform you isis is at it again <laughs> and they just have to go to everybody's house and then hey what was so come on tell me what, what was he like when you told them isis was at it again <laughs> So, um, for our next bit, we actually get into November, which is, I think, the first time in one of these deep dives that we've done that, correct? I feel like I finally beat a level boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're going to go back to October. You, it doesn't matter, man. Oh, we're going to go back it, to... We have to... We're going to go back to August in our next deep dive. Oh, oh God. Yeah. We have to clear months the way that they clear rooms in, like, Counter-Strike. There's a reason that I haven't uh, deleted anything from our list on WWE Network. No, I gathered. Uh, but can we please talk about what happens on November? Because we, yeah, I have, I have a lot in, to discuss here. We certainly can. Because first off, we see Babyface Big Show in more ways than one. He's finally shaving everything off of his face. But he did put in Big, shave. Big shave! <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. He's also got a very cool statement earring in, which is a lightning bolt, which I thought was super cool for a giant man to have. <laughs> Taking care of Big Show in a flash. Okay, all That's right. an Elvis now, thing. I have to send you guys something to look at um, as like okay. a visual assist for this, because this interview with Michael Cole, something was bothering me. At first I was like, wow. That microphone looks so small next to the gigantic Big Show. And then I was looking at it more, and I was like, actually, that microphone looks small next to Michael Cole. Is that a small microphone? And I think they might be using, <laughs> like, a dummy small microphone to make Big Show look bigger. And I know that sounds insane, but I'm going to send you some photographic evidence because it looks like Michael Cole is holding a very tiny microphone, which doesn't make any sense. Okay. One mic makes you smaller. And the other makes you tall. Because you know, I was like, wow, Big Show really that... makes those mics look small because he's such a big person. And then I was like, wait a minute, Michael Cole makes that <laughs> microphone look small. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Okay, but wait, but wait a minute. Isn't Michael Cole's hand small in this picture? No, I think well, Michael Cole's hand looks enormous, holding the entire b- bottom of the yeah, microphone. Yeah, that's true. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in this picture because the perspective is b- very weird. Because Michael Cole's head looks as big as the Big Show's, but the way that he's turned the mic towards the Big Show, there's oh yeah, this 
It's like a Dali painting. It's true. Yeah, there's a real, there's a real Escher-esque thing going on. I'm like, this is crazy. I was watching it and I was like, wow. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's something they would do. They always like look for like short referees on purpose and if the guys look bigger, everything would they use a smaller mic? That seems insane. That paired with the right, um, they... that paired with the weird gradient on the uh, on the on the wall there looks like what acid must feel like. <laughs> Um, by the way, I would say Michael Cole is the short mic, right? Oh. There's probably a bigger mic that they have. <laughs> and then while we're focused on a tiny mic, uh, Boss Man and Albert literally tear gas this interview. <laughs> um, but also, like, I don't think those gas masks they wore to go inside actually worked because they looked like they were coughing, too. <laughs> Also, Albert audibly, I think, says, fuck you at one point. I went back, like, three times. He's like, fuck you, Big Show. And I was like, all right, you know what? I like the energy. But can we take it down a notch? Love the energy. Uh, but I do feel like this should not have made it to air. Also, my biggest question here is, Tear Gas goes in, 7-foot, 500-pound Big Show drops to the ground. Michael Cole vanishes? Like, and the cameraman! <laughs> was there a second exit? Like, it just seems like... Big Show is the least capable person in that room? That, I feel like, is not the story they were trying to tell. Also, um... What were you going to say? I was going to go to the EMTs, so if you want to say something else. I do, too. Oh, well, I was going to talk about the EMTs, too, because it didn't look like the oxygen was on in that oxygen mask. Like, it looked like Big Show was choking. They were just rubbing the mask mask on on him. They were just rubbing with the mask. (laughs) Also, the shot as he's going to the ground, there was such a close-up prolonged shot of big show's feet that it was unsettling like it was that long where i was like did tarantino direct this it was very upsetting slow your breathing down big boy slow down your (laughs) so big show is obviously out for the night so instead we got boss man and albert versus mankind and al snow which starts with yeah. Al Snow singing Some Enchanted Evening, which made me wonder, is that in the public domain, or did they actually have to pay for that? But then it's revealed that Mankind is going to be his partner, and I'm like, hell yeah, for this uh, this pairing, this tag team here. Yeah, I was, I was really excited for Mankind and Al Snow. My big complaint about this match is that apparently there was like a moonsault at some point outside the ring that El Snow did that was not on camera or replay. And I was like, wait, oh, but I want to see a moonsault. That's like my favorite thing to see. But like, why would you not let me see the moonsault? That's what I'm In- here for. Yeah. Instead, they had to focus all their energy first on uh, Albert getting hit in the head with a pan and then doing the wobbly stand for like a little bit too long. It's like you, you either got it or you don't. You either need to stand up straight or you need to fall down. I, uh, I I like the bowling ball to the nuts. That was a fun spot. Al Snow's so and, great, man. And then we get a crossover with another deep dive where Val Venus has stolen all of mankind's <laughs> books, put them in a trash can, and lights them on fire. How many times does, Al, does Val Venus have his hands on mankind's books? It's so frustrating. Val Venus hates books. <laughs> <laughs> So, Bossman runs away in this match. Um, Albert gets the Sacco. They win win the match, which 
at no point have they even attempted to explain why the riot cop is hanging out with the S&M body piercer. Correct. True. The thinking backstage is like they were just like, we're just going to try something like we've got nothing for these two guys. Like, like Albert uh, doesn't really have direction right now. They're like, well, maybe he'll work with boss man. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's hey. literally the thinking. They're like, I don't know. Put him out there. I get that because, I mean, we're just coming off of the draws injury and they were so closely linked. Yeah, totally. November 4th. Are we finally going to get oh. Boss Man versus Big Show? Uh, wait, I want to one thing. Uh, still for the first, that, a, little, a little backstage to share um, info uh, that Pritchard talks okay. about on something to wrestle with. Uh, Pritchard talks about this gas uh, segment that originally the pitch was going to be to do a taser. So for them to tase the big show with, like, the actual, like, uh, shooty-darty ones, not, like, mm-hmm. the stun gun. And big show was like, fuck that, I'm not doing that. Like, truly was like, no fucking way. Uh, and Bruce Pritchard was like, come on, it's not a big deal. Like, I'll let them tase, and I'll let them do it to me on the lowest setting first, um, just to prove it. And they did it to Pritchard, he was like, he, like, flew backwards, and big show was like, nope, not fucking <laughs> And that's how they ended up with the tear gas. They're like, what are things that cops do, basically? Like, or what fits with the gimmick of big that mm-hmm. big boss man does? So, um, tear gas, tasing, and so that's where they ended up with. Uh, which, thank God, they, because they could have made it even worse. I guess. Okay. <laughs> there, there really is a there really is room for for like a a backstage at a, at a wrestling promotion sitcom. That's because like that's very funny. Like to imagine just being. Just being one of the one of the writers backstage and just being like, "Look, man, like I'll try it. It's cool." <laughs> just like flying back four feet. We should write this, is what I'm saying. I, you're right. I should. I'm available. Do you hear me, <laughs> universe <laughs> agents, executives? Please, please hire us. We do this so good. <laughs> No, no, we're just going to keep uh, uh, shuffling podcasts out into the ether, and eventually someone will, uh, someone's going to come calling. On November 4th, will we actually see Bossman versus The Big Show? Who knows? It's really hard to take Big Show seriously when he does the reach up and scream thing after The Rock made fun of him for it. <laughs> <laughs> But Bossman beats up, uh, I'm sorry, Big Show beats up Bossman, then beats up Albert, then beats up the refs, then Sergeant Slaughter. He's wild. He's wild with emotion, I tell you. Uh, I wrote, Big Show is giving choke slam rides and everyone is lining up. Like, they're all just like, me next, me, me, me. This had the energy of, like, a really dramatic fight between Angela Chase and her mom on My So-Called Life. You know what I mean? Because especially the way commentary was like, he's wild with emotion. Like Big Show, he's like, my world is crumbling around me. I'm going through so much. You know what I mean? Like he's having a, like a real emotional meltdown where he's like, I don't know, mom. <laughs> like beating up guys, the rest of their, like his father figure. Guys, this is a safe space, right? Yes. I've, n- I've, never, yeah. I've never seen an episode of my so-called life. Oh my God. I think it's all on Hulu. It's only 10 episodes. You can watch it, I'd say, in a weekend. It's very earnest, but also sincerely good and also very 90s and funny. Um, okay. Uh, 
It's also it was also done by the same people who did Thirty Something, which I once tried uh, watching Thirty Something because I was like, this is this will be interesting. I'm you're like, hey, I'm and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I literally was like, I was like, I'm Thirty Something. I wonder what this show. Wonder how this show captures my life. And in first episode, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Back when you, none of this makes any sense. You mean back oh, when you, you were a Thirty Something? Right, I know. Even now, thirty something doesn't even apply to me now as a forty something. You were such a Timothy Buzzfield. I'm sorry. Oh fuck you! You don't know what that means. On November eighth, Lillian Garcia takes to the ring to announce that the Big Show's father has passed away, and that his funeral will happen this weekend. I mean, later this week. And then, <laughs> and then makes the crowd stand for a ten bell salute for the kayfabe death of the Big Show's father. And then people are just like, "Hey, am I on camera?" Oh shit! <laughs> like they're all yeah. The cognitive dissonance there was really rough on this one. I, I mean, <laughs> a fair on the audience. I mean, they they didn't sign up to go yeah. to go to a memorial service. But, you know, yeah, I was thinking. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? We do, like, like the wrestling needs the people who freak out about being on camera and like immediately mug for the camera. Because if you didn't have that, it would look weird. And, like, I know it's like those guys are the assholes, but also like good for them. I'm, you know, someone needs to be that. Yeah, hence why Raw pulled a what a 1.5 last week. Oof. Yikes! Woof. Oh man. I know when, ratings, right, guys? When this airs, it's going to be uh, the push for for Royal Rumble. So hopefully, they'll start riding the ship in that way. But as the bells are chiming, Boss Man's music hits, and he comes out with a sympathy card. Where I feel like he got some poetry advice from Mark Henry. Okay, wait. First, oh, I, I thought. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go on. I was going to say, what am I? No, but, what am, yeah, you go. What am I? Oh no, after you. <laughs> One of my favorite um, like world rules in wrestling is that wrestlers have the power to control their entrance at any given moment. Yes. So they can like make yes. an interruption and their music goes on cue and they're like, that bastard, how did he do this? And they, not that it was like on a run sheet and had to be approved and like someone in the truck had to like cue up his music. You know what I mean? Like it's just uh-huh. so funny that it's like, oh yes, well as you know, in this universe, when they enter, their music will magically start playing. And so of course he's going to yeah. interrupt this yes. 10 bell salute that we've like rehearsed and budgeted time for and like have queued up in the feed when all of a sudden the boss man's coming out. It's like, well, well, do we think that he's going to go hold the production people hostage and be like, in 10 minutes, you do this, and you better do it, because I'm going to be in gorilla <laughs> position going down the ramp, and you better not chicken out, man. You better go all the way with this. It's just crazy Yeah, no, Bobby, I know, I, I know exactly what you mean, because that was one of the things I was going to talk about, which is the same guy who's doing the bell is also the same guy who is like, oh, time for the boss man's music. It's like... Nothing got interrupted. He, you know, it's like, he can't just be like, oh, fuck, the boss man's going out, but we're doing the bell salute. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a crazy in-world thing that, like, the music is magically tied to the person. Um, I also, oh, we're, so about the um about the the greeting card, I thought that was just like a, a shoebox greeting card from like the nineteen nineties. It just seemed like that that's what the, that's how they were written back then. Gen X. It was a different you time. 
as someone who spends a lot of time in Dwayne Reed's reading greeting cards when I'm anxiously early for appointments, uh, I do think, yeah, that tracks. That sounds like a card I would see. <laughs> but my favorite part about this segment is how Big Boss Man opens it with, I'd like to read it to you if I could. And I, what I took that to mean is, he would like to read this to us, but he can't read. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> like, he actually, I don't know, it's like, you know, I, you know, when you tell someone, like, could I use the bathroom? Like, I don't know, could you? It's like, same thing with this. It's like, I don't know, could you do this? Uh, I'd like to read this if I could, but we all know I can't. <laughs> That's basically the I mean, the story I was telling. It's good pathos, right? Because, like, why is the boss man so mean? I never learned to read. <laughs> I'd like to go back to Bobby when he's early for an appointment, back when we had appointments at places. Yes. Would yeah. go into a Dwayne Reed and read uh-huh. the greeting cards. Yeah, that's right. That is that's patently insane, my friend. Why? That's like if you just if you literally have to like loiter somewhere, you're in like Times Square or you're in like somewhere uh-huh. like kind of awful. You are really early because because back when the subways were running, they took forty five minutes to go anywhere, which means it could take anywhere from twenty five to an hour and forty five minutes to arrive. And so sometimes you roll the dice and you get there an hour early for something, and you're like, well, great. I can't sit in the waiting room and sweat this whole time. So instead, I'm going to go to the Dwayne Reed and I'm going to loiter. But I'm going to loiter in a way that looks like I'm passing time. So I'm going to read the greeting cards. Reading magazines feels like it's stealing. But reading the greeting cards, I feel like no one cares. They seem like I'm just really thinking about what I want to say. Holy shit, man. Like, I bring a book with me or I... I'm on my phone. Yeah, the time I think about it the mo- when I think they did it the most and when I, when I was going to interview, not to, <laughs> not to like, ugh, name drop, when I was interviewing Madonna, I was like, I was really nervous about getting to that interview and I got there literally like over an hour early and it was in Times Square. I was like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? I want to be around a bunch of tourists. I don't want to like um, go to the M&M store. And so I decided to go to like this fucking horrible Dwayne Reed that was at least empty and go to like one of those sad aisles where there's no windows anywhere around. It's like subterranean and just like read terrible greeting cards. <laughs> I was that's the Dwayne Reed I go to because it's right by my work. Yeah, probably that exact Dwayne. Reed. Not bad. <laughs> eh. Um, yeah, no. Okay, so basically, if you're very nervous about meeting Madonna and you know that her favorite thing to talk about is greeting cards, yeah, I think that makes sense. Like, go and just bone up on your studying and and get your research in. Okay, I'm glad we cleared that up. But are we ready to go to it? <laughs> Here we are. Okay. November 11th, 11-11, the vertical day. Big Show arrives the funeral. We see him in his leather funeral outfit. Leather helping head leather pants. to toe. He's got a leather ponytail. He's got leather sunglasses. He is <laughs> He's got Morpheus leather sunglasses. Those are definitely from the Matrix. He is wild. Helps his grieving mother out of the car. Bobby, is that the Big Show's real mother? No. Do you know that? Okay. It is not, but this is a real working um, cemetery they are filming in. Real-ass cemetery we are in. Yep. We see, then, the casket moving towards the grave, and I thought it was a little bit lazy on Big Show's part that he wasn't one of the pallbearers for his own father. They thought pallbearer, pallbearer, Paul White. it's been done a little on the nose, and so <laughs> I, I get it. Uh- I think I think uh, I think uh, Big Show would throw off the the rhythm. Every, nobody else is as tall as him. <laughs> He'd have one <laughs> corner of the of the casket really high. The body's dead. falling out. Yeah, it would also let like, you hear like slide and like thump its head at the at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Really, he should just 
really he should just be grabbing it with one arm under his uh <laughs> right underneath we had a snow day the other day and natalie bought a surfboard in the pandemic that we used to go down some hills in prospect park so i imagine him carrying it the same way that i carried the surfboard down there the big right, sh- just under under one arm yes under one arm the big show is giving his eulogy and as it happens the boss man arrives in the blues mobile from the Blues Brothers movie with a giant speaker on top where you can only understand about every fourth word he says. It's like, oh, it's the I'm go to <laughs> Your daddy's dead. <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny to me. <laughs> I thought I thought his car he looked like he was about to win a Darwin award like that's the kind of, it looked like it looked like he had a rocket strapped to his car and he's like I'm about to break the sound barrier it literally and just, looks like, like he explodes. has looks like he has the liberty bell strapped to his hood I was like what are we doing what? Yeah he can't stop he can't stop Mark Henry from touching it <laughs> That's like a, oh. a a 3 year ago content uh callback Deep, deep, deep cut. I mean, Bo- so the boss story man. This... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna boss give a man. Little, a little production. Uh, boss man attacks the big show, grabs a chain from the back of the truck, ties it around the coffin, pulls the coffin away. Certainly, um, certainly upsetting the turf at this real ass cemetery. You go to visit your, your 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 loved ones later. It's like, why are there tire treads over here? And the big show, in his attempt to stop it, jumps on top of the casket and pull, gets pulled away as though he was uh, he was on an inner tube getting pulled by a motorboat. Yeah. Um. So this segment, uh, apparently, Bruce Pritchard tells the story that he was uh like off on a weekend when he got a call from Vince. That Vince is like, I need you to produce this segment. Like, it's, I, I you know, there's a lot, a lot of moving pieces. Like, I only really trust you to sort of get it done. So he's like, okay. So there's a really good plan. So Bruce had this cemetery that he had used for other shoots before, but only ever at night. I'm assuming it's for, like, you know, Ministry of Darkness, Undertaker shit. He only mm-hmm. used it as night, at night. And so they've had a working relationship with the cemetery. to tell them when they want to film, whatever. But this, we're going to film this during the day. And you know what happens at night? There's not a bunch of mourners, um, usually like attending to their family members' graves, and they're not like actually real people burying people at the same time. During the day, whole other situation. Um, oh, no. and, they were, and they were also like, "Listen, please just like, don't damage the grounds." And so Bruce Pritchard's like, "Oh, for sure, not going to be disruptive, not going to damage the grounds, hundred percent, got it." Uh, and then they were like, "Okay, guys, here's the thing: we have <laughs> literally one shot to do this, and Bosman, I need you." To hook up the casket, drive out of here, and literally keep driving. Do not stop. Like, we have one shot at this, and, like, you're going to do it, and we're going to basically flee the scene. Like, it's too... <laughs> they, we are absolutely going to get thrown out of here, and so we have to do this. And then, Bossman, when you do it, just just fucking drive. Like, where you can't stop, and, like, if Big Show gets hurt or whatever, throwing himself on the casket, like, this is our only shot at this. And so, Big Show... It was Big Show's idea to jump on the casket. Um... And they said they also had the speaker turned around way low, but once Bossman started talking, it was bad. Like, it was loud, and people were looking, and it was bad. It was bad. They were like, they got so much, like, look, like dirty looks from, like, other people there and complaints and all of this stuff. And obviously, they could never film in the cemetery ever again. Um, which I do think is, A, a hilarious story, 
and B does make me consider for a minute, like, wait a minute. Are all the cemeteries out there, like, uh, airbnb out at nights for, like, per- like web series production now? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, are, you, are they allowed to do that? They could just, they could just use the cemetery at night for, like, a a wrestling photo shoot like this really feels like giving it up for like a web series it's very strange to me that 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 uh, that would even be like a thing that happens like all of a sudden you see your Here's your, what... your great aunt's casket in in the back shot of like becker meanwhile like austin is like uh, <laughs> the, the the undertaker's doing fake latin over like stone cold steve austin like covered in a sheet well this is what, what makes that really interesting to me is after bruce pritchard like basically i guess burn that bridge do you think they were just like okay undertaker we need you to have more of a motorcycle theme for a while (laughs) (laughs) can can you become an outlaw until the heat dies down on this man and i don't really have much to say about the match after this because i feel like that's kind of the uh the the coup de grace of this story i do love though um Bossman goes for like a very sort of cerebral burn uh, during this, where he's you know gonna drag the casket behind the Blues Brothers car, uh, and <laughs> a part of the story I still don't fully understand, but okay. But then he's going to also uh, insinuate that his dad wanted to be a drag queen. So there's like a little bit of like a gay joke there while also doing a play on words, double entendre with dragging his casket drag. behind the car. And it was also just like, wow. Like that's something I feel like big boss man spent a few days on, you know, like really workshopping that one over and over again, because there's, there's layers. Uh, they're all bad, but uh, there was, I, I, there's some effort there for sure. He has his moleskin book out, and he's just like working, like looking at it. It's like I don't know, I don't know. What is it too much? Okay, <laughs> drag, drag queen. What about drag racing? What if he's also in race car driver? Too much. Pull it back. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, <laughs> I got to keep this like uh, real tight. And so the boss man succeeded in his plan. He now has the Big Show's father in a casket behind his car. What is his plan to do with it after that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know anymore. I mean, I guess I'm not, like, up to date on, like, the most... uh, On, like, the uh, grave robbing industry in 1999. (laughs) I don't know the the market rate for a freshly robbed grave. Sorry, I'm going to spin the wheel. I think, Aaron, it's your turn to be the expert on uh, grave robbing (laughs) for this podcast. And I've never done it! (laughs) Bobby's alive! (laughs) Oh, man. So yeah, so when we get to the end of this story, and again, there's a match between Big Boss Man and Farouk, which again shows how badass Farouk and, Bra- and Bradshaw are during the uh, during the match. But once you've gotten to this level, there's not a lot of heightening that you can do from here. And Agreed. coming into I think explode the casket. <laughs> And coming, but coming into the end of this story, I do think that this is good heat for Boss Man. Yeah, this is, I think, the most compelling Boss Man story we've seen. Mm-hmm. I think the most compelling Boss Man story there is. Yeah, and I, I think he also like he gave it his all. I think mm-hmm. he has obviously there's a ceiling on him as a performer that I just will I don't think he he ever really transcends, but. I think he sort of hits his his ceiling here. 
And I think Big Show really did a lot with the material, which is mm -hmm. definitely bad. But they, because I think the performers, they really uh, sunk their teeth into it, it elevated it a bit. And I think it just showed like what Big Show, I think, is willing to do and that he's able to show these different sides of himself as not just being like a big monster. He can also have these sort of comedic moments. He can have these dramatic moments. Uh, I think it ended up being like a good showcase, even though it's kind of like crappy material. But uh, but actually, Bobby, uh, the last story is the one that they really sunk their teeth into. Yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> also, uh, also, don't said... don't worry, guys. Um, Bossman knew that he had to be really, really mean to the Big Show every time he went out there. So beforehand, <laughs> he spent a lot of time petting him, <laughs> letting him know what a good boy he was. I literally thought the same thing, but I never wrote it down. I was like, I was like, yeah, boss man would just call Big Show's dad and just apologize to him and be like, look, I'm so sorry for what I'm going to say. Um, do you think that the Big Show wore his all leather morning outfit because he knew he was going to be jumping on a casket that was going to like he was afraid of like road burn? <laughs> That's a good point. Like but I also. But I also 100% believe that that's what he would wear to a funeral in 1999. It's form and function, yes. I was really confused. I know this is going back, but when he was wearing the dragon shirt, and I know we addressed the dragon shirt, and though really I could go on about the dragon shirt, but let's for a moment consider the waistband of his underwear that was exposed in a very purposeful way, and I wanted it to be a name brand I recognized, and it ended up being a name brand that said it for sure came from like um, some sort of proto-Amazon um, like Eastern European clothing company that makes no like like a former Soviet country. <laughs> you know, it was, it was called like Mushkakinaran, and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" I was like, "What is this uh, underwear he's wearing?" Joe Joe Kazakh. I thought it was like Calvin Klein or whatever. I'm like, "Oh, he's going for like a Marky Mark kind of thing, very '90s." But I get it on trend. This was like, wait, what? It was very the whole thing was very weird because he's an enormous man wearing a satin, you know, dragon shirt and uh, fashion underwear, apparently. He's got to go to the big and tall store. Big and Paul. <laughs> Wait, are you big? Are you Paul? Okay, come on in. <laughs> and on that note, love us, disagree, want to... Hit us with a fucking hammer. Uh, make a an elaborate pun about how you're dragging us, but we're also in drag. But you're the act of you talking about it is kind of dragging our names through the mud. You know, think on it. Really, no one went with want to torture us about our dead father. All right, let us know. Email us at HelenaCellPhone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at HelenaCellPod. Or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam, and our art is by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back again next week for Survivor Series 1999. My daddy's dead. My daddy. It's my it, it's my daddy. <laughs> my daddy, and he's dead. <laughs> <laughs>